This is Giant Robot FM, your home of all things Mecca, be it giant or otherwise. Very special episode for you today. I am in the stu- actually I'm not in the studio. I am on location at a local hobbyist store, enthusiast store, Gunpla store, the Gundam Kitchen, um, interviewing the owner, Irad Valentine. Irad, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good to meet you guys. This is, I've been wanting to do this for a while. You're local to me, you're in the area, and I am interested in dipping my toes into the world of Gunpla, so I thought, who better to ask an interview than the owner of a Gunpla store? Sounds about right. So for my first question today, right off the top, before we dive into your backstory, talk about the store. What is the Gundam Kitchen? Where is it located? So the whole name is Millennium Hobbies and the Gundam Kitchen, which kind of throws people a little bit, but... You got to think ahead of times, and you might just need the Millennium Hobbies one day. (laughs) (laughs) So that is why uh, we have the Millennium Hobbies in there. We're located in South Jersey, about 10 miles from uh, Betsy Ross Bridge, would be the South Philly Bridges. So if you're a Philly person, not too bad to get over here. And uh, we're at 125 South Black Horse Pike in Blackwood, New Jersey. Awesome. Awesome. And how long has the store been around? We have been open going on seven years. Wow. Wow. Now, where did your love of Mecca and Gunpla begin? Like, what came first? Was it the building, or were you an anime fan from way back? Because for me, I started out as an anime fan and have continued to be an anime fan since high school, but now I'm thinking about diving into the building aspect. So for Mecca, it was probably the building first. I had seen um, Endless Waltz right, probably right before I found my first kit in a comic book store, but it was the kits that really brought me into the uh, mecha world mm. and into Gunpla. Do you find that is a? Do you find that's the norm with your customers? No, I would say more of my customers probably like that tsunami uh, late night block back in the early two thousands, mm-hmm. late nineties of Wing and G Gundam and even to the Double O's. Okay. That's where most people got their introduction. And, you know, a couple of people back when Gundam was in stores back in the late 90s into the early 2000s, some people started on that, but most people, I think, got it from the anime first. Yeah, so a lot of your customers, like late 20s, early 30s? Yeah, I would like say... Like anime olds, like ourselves? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a surgence of the mid-20 guys, but especially the first like four or five years of the store, it was mostly 30 plus guys. Interesting. Do you find that you now start to see a lot of like younger folks getting into Gunpla? Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, anime so available now, so yeah. anybody can get into it. So I think there's definitely, I have some teenagers now cool. and definitely like the 20 year olds are definitely into it now. Yeah, but through my, but my, like talk to my students about what they like uh, anime-wise. It's usually, they're very much into the shonen, whatever's mm-hmm. popular shonen-wise, Demon Slayer being the standout. Right. When it comes to Mecca, I don't even know if it's even on their radar. Now, of course, there hasn't been a mainline Gundam show in a while, so that might change which with which for Mercury. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change much because I don't know if that's even a full series. Yeah, true. We don't have right. much information. And I don't think about those it. limited series do that well for like building huge fan bases. Yeah, and even like when Evangelion hit Netflix, I wasn't sure if my students that was really on my students' radar, or even when the most recent Ava film came out. Yeah, I feel like Ava fans are mid twenties and up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm preaching to the choir there. Now, Ira, what are some of your favorite anime and manga series? Uh, so. 
I definitely would say out of the new stuff, My Hero, I like uh, Demon Slayer. I haven't got deep into I've watched about half of it, but mm-hmm. definitely My Hero. Not a big Shonen fan, so I liked Megalobox a couple of years ago. Okay. Stuff stuff a little more grittier is my, my cup of tea. Yeah, I've fallen off uh, Shonen since I was in high school. Like I was a big into, of course, DBZ, Yu Hakusho, but I haven't really gone back. Yeah, see, my... I got jaded with my intro because my intro was uh, Fist of the North Star Ninja Scroll. So I was like, cool. I-, I thought anime is supposed to be adult and bloody as hell. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I look for good art and blood. <laughs> yeah. Especially the, those 80s and 90s OVAs. Yeah. They really uh, they deliver in that regard. Yeah. Now, Desert Island question. Three Gundam series. If you had to, like, it, you were stuck eternally on a desert island and can only watch three Gundam series, what would they be? All right. Just because I'm a big art fan and dialogue is important to me, <laughs> I got to go with newer stuff. So I'm going to go with Origin. Okay. Iron Blood Orphans, because it'll keep me busy for a while. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Thunderbolt, uh, December Skies. Nice. So a lot of recent stuff. I'm glad you mentioned Origin, because we are on the precipice of beginning Origin, and I haven't seen it, so I'm, I, I, look, I like to hear people talk positively about it, because people's opinions about Origin are all over the place. Oh, really? Hmm. And... Uh, my, my co-host is a big fan of Iron Blood Orphans. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I heard that one. opening song slaps, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, do you have any favorite, like, UC stuff, like old UC stuff? Yeah, War in the Pocket um, and 8th MS will be mine. Yeah, those are my two go-tos. Yeah. Stardust Memories, I, I haven't seen Stardust Memories in a while, so my opinion might change when I revisit it. That's what I liked when I was a kid or, like, in high school. It's just like the, those are, the old, old ones are good, but the dialogue's so rough for me to get through. <laughs> yeah. I hear the characterization's kind of all yeah. over the place, too. Now, when did you first come up with the idea for the kitchen or a hobbyist store in general? So, um, coming out of college, I was uh, working like a retail job, and a lot of the day I would just be thinking about business ideas. Mm-hmm. And I started a notebook, started writing them down, and this is back in like early, early 2000s. And one of the things I wrote in that book was, um, yeah, anime store slash uh, D- like DVDs because that was hot back then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I didn't do that. <laughs> but uh, And then flash forward like the 2014-ish is at a job that I hated and mm-hmm. I was just uh, started thinking about ideas going like I'm not going to move into another job I don't like so I need to start doing something on my own. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to own my own business and I just started thinking about stuff and I was like, all right, how about a hobby shop? And then I and what I would do is when I think about ideas, I would just like build them up and then tear them down. Like, how could they fail? Mm-hmm. And the so ho- like a notebook full of ideas. Yeah, well, this would be like just through my head throughout mm-hmm. the day. Like, all right, this I think this is how you make your money streams through this, and this is how if you know what wouldn't work, how what costs too much, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so I would do the hobby shop several times, like the anime hobby shop idea several times, and I just kept like. Every time I did it, it was like, ah, it didn't fail that bad this time. Mm-hmm. And just keep going running through it, like how I would do it different. And uh, then like looking for my EIN number, which is like your social security for a business, okay. which I had from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I found uh, that I wrote that idea down back before. So I was like, yeah, this might be something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just pushed ahead with it. So the kitchen was the first store you've owned or was it Yeah. Not? So I mean, back early 2000s, I did a little like flea market stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got the EIN number so I could buy from distributors. And I did a little eBay, but nothing like a store. Okay. I feel like, yeah, you're definitely ahead of the t- ahead of the curve because I feel like, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the pandemic, but in recent years, hobbyist stores have really sprung up overnight mm-hmm. with the popularity of like Dungeons and Dragons. Like tabletop gaming has really taken yeah. off even before 
I think geek, geekdom, yeah. if that's a thing, is, uh, has definitely blossomed and taken over from a money-making standpoint. I mean, they're definitely pushing. I mean, you got like what, that, that lunchbox store in the malls now. Um, what's it called? Uh, oh, yeah. I know you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but I mean, like, stores like that just mm-hmm. are popping up. FYE came back, and then they got all the anime stuff in there Every now. time I'm in the mall, I am amazed <laughs> that FYE well, F- like. FYE still exists. Like, who's dropping forty dollars or right. forty five? Like, su- like Suncoast video levels of pricing yeah. on like a single DVD yeah, when you can just pick it on Amazon for like fifteen dollars cheaper. I guess it's the Funko Pops, and, and that's what I grew up on was that, uh, <laughs> that, that those prices back in the day. Like, my boy had to put me onto anime because we nobody could afford that stuff back in the yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would just get all my I would bootleg. I get mostly bootlegs yeah. from eBay, and I didn't know they were bootlegs at the time. I thought, oh, I could pick up Cowboy Bebop for thirty five dollars online. Oh, that's right. sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to picking up, of course, a four-episode DVD for $30. And the one they were on VHS is even worse. Yeah, I know. And that's why I started picking up those first Gundam VHSs uh, with Suncoast Video with Stardust Memory and War in the Pocket. Yeah, Suncoast, Suncoast was not built for kids. Yeah. <laughs> Break you. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah, like you mentioned, like D&D is really popular recently. Magic the Gathering has also come back in a big, mm-hmm. bad way. Uh, I played Magic when I was in middle school and high school, and then it tapered off. Yeah, Pokemon's back. Yeah. They're, they're going crazy. They're fighting for Pokemon. Yeah, like, the Target had to shut down their <laughs> yeah. like Pokemon like aisle because, I guess, fistfights were breaking out in stores yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, so the, the pandemic, and I think it was a, it was already on upswing, but pandemic brought collecting back for sure. Yeah. I'm curious if that boom will continue. I'm, I'm sure it'll kind of continue at a pretty high peak yeah i don't think it ever sees much like i think from a hobbyist side it was the pandemic really accelerate that because you're at home yeah what else are you gonna do for exactly. eight hours you can only watch so much netflix <laughs> it's very true so what's the process like like opening a small business like what do you have to go through first you have to probably build up a, like money base and like how does the promotion go all right so i would say definitely you gotta get your money right uh for me i just pulled out all my uh like retirement and uh savings so i got my stocks mm-hmm. so that's where i got my money from and then a couple little loans but uh you gotta get your money right you got definitely the more especially now it's easy with like facebook and stuff like that so the more advertising you can do beforehand is definitely gonna be important um and then it's Finding your distributors is one of the hard things. This is weird. It's like um, if when you lose your ID, mm-hmm. you need ID to get ID. It's like one of yeah. those things. So when you find a distributor, they want you to already either be established and have other distributors mm-hmm. or just show you're a real store. So that's kind of a hard. So you need to find a distributor working with, willing to work with the new store mm-hmm. and just get in contact with them early so that when you get your doors open, you can have stock in right away because you don't want to open your doors without stock. That'd be the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, and I'm thinking like where would you even like – are you like dealing with wholesalers from Japan or like middlemen in the U.S.? So when I started out, I couldn't get a distributor in the U.S. because it was that issue of you needed to have a distributor to get a distributor. Mm-hmm. So I, I went to HLJ in Japan. Okay. So which is uh, most people know HLJ is one of the biggest. Uh, so they do consumer or wholesale. Mm-hmm. And back in 2014 early 2015, the yen was at a price where it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think actually, probably for about the first six months with the yen being at the price it was, it was the same, if not better again from Japan mm-hmm. anyway. Interesting. Uh, then I found Bluefin and I found a local distributor. So Bluefin, if you're not familiar, they are the U.S. They've, they've gone through some conversions and very recent, but they were the U.S. official distributor. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, I would say they're more the U.S. importer now. It's kind of how they position themselves. Okay. So they've moved from just distributor to importer because they don't really want to send anything to stores anymore. <laughs> they've moved out of that. Mm-hmm. So they redistribute. So if you're going in now, it's kind of, it's much easier because you can just find a distributor that carries 
gunpla and you'll be you'll be good is just making sure that distributor is gonna deal with you so that's why i say get that relationship there's plenty that will but you just gotta get that relationship up and that's a little the little navigating part you got to figure out Mm -hmm. but uh right now you can't even get stuff wholesale from japan because bandai put a cut to that really yeah so that bandai owns bluefin Mm -hmm. so bandai cut. Uh yeah so they're like we want to be able to a it makes sense because they want to be able to figure out where their stuff is for number wise if Mm -hmm. if they're sending stuff to if they're flooding japanese wholesales with stuff but half of it goes to the, around the world, mm-hmm. how they know where their stuff's going. Yeah. They already have distributors in those places, so yeah. why would you bother? Mm-hmm. So I think they want to control and understand their markets better, so they cut out. Mm-hmm. Like it's, if you, I guess what they do is they penalize you if you do sell outside of Japan. Is Bondi cognizant of just how much, like the resurgence, or not resurgence, but like the jump in interest in the U.S. for like kit building and model so, making? So in the Gunpla world, I say Bandai doesn't care. Yeah. But I think, like I was saying, I don't think they had a good grasp on their their numbers. Yeah. Because they were skewed by not knowing. They just send it to places, and those places, they don't know if they're selling in Japan or if they're selling around the world. Yeah. So, and I feel like, especially probably five years ago, people were probably getting 50% of their kits from yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. And that's changed now with all the hobby shops and all the online stores in America. Yeah. But now that they can see that America's buying all this stuff and Europe's buying all this stuff mm-hmm. because it's coming from, they're sending it to a country and it's getting support, they probably have a better idea and grasp of it now. Yeah. So I think, and, and we've seen all this, you know, they're putting all their stuff on Netflix now, their shows, or, or they put it on YouTube for a couple months for free. So they know yeah. and, and they're trying to work with us. So I think it'll get better as the years go. Yeah. Hopefully they don't make bad decisions and make it disappear like it did in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, that's they, true. they are pushing hard in Target right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I've seen some kits and some figures in Target. Plus, Barnes and Noble has like yeah. a, a like a bigger anime section than they did in recent years. Right. Yeah, yeah. But they're like their Gundam section is pathetic. But I know. Uh, I imagine like, they don't even really sell any kits. It's kind of there for show. Yeah. But like Target, like they started doing Target exclusives and getting them early releases, which is really kind of annoying since it's the mm-hmm. stores that kept band Bandai in America for all these years. Yeah. So it's really annoying to see that they uh or even like favor I've, big companies like that. I've seen some like kits in not kits, but like figures in Walmart. Like some cheap mm-hmm. figures. Yeah, the cheap ones, the twenty five dollar yeah. ones. Reminds yeah. me of when like Gundam Wing was airing and they did that initial push for I've seen it in Walgreens. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is crazy. I wonder if those are like flying off the shelves. I I'm curious like what the demand is like for like anime figurines like that at a Walmart. Yeah, I I, I think with the Toys R Us being gone and True. the toy market just being totally like, I think toys are totally different in America now because mm-hmm. of streaming. Like, before you knew that when He-Man or G.I. Joe was on TV and mm-hmm. they put a commercial up, kids were going to want He-Man and G.I. Joe. Yeah. Now there's three to four streaming channels with all this cre- stuff from Japan, stuff from Korea. Like, all yeah. you, could, you could get some Kids are in stuff all over the world. It's just so, And then they're watching TikTok all day and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's like... They don't even know what to sell anymore because yeah. <laughs> it's not like so streamlined like before. Mm-hmm. Hasbro would make the toy first and then make the show. Like yeah. it was about that. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's changed. The markets have changed. Yeah, it's t- it's. T- I imagine it's tough to get a grasp on that just because how fragmented all these smaller markets are. Right, and so now you see all these stores grasping for anime stuff because they know the kids like it now. Yeah. But they're like a behind the curve. Anime's been around, you know? especially manga. I feel like dur- we'll talk about the pandemic, but during the pandemic, interest in manga skyrocketed, like Chainsaw Man and Demon Slayer. Like a lot of those yep. shown in series. Yep. Unfortunately, I don't see much Mecca representation at Barnes & Noble. Not that there's too much to choose from anyway. I think Mecca is a weird segment because a lot of Mecca wants to show you the horrors of war, mm-hmm. especially Gundam. Yeah. For sure, Gundam. Um, or just like, like 
Evangelion is like just kids going through all social issues and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty heavy, mm-hmm. so it doesn't make good shonen stuff, right? Yeah, true. And, and I think a sh- if there's ever been a shonen one, they weren't that good either. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. Of, I feel like I mean, anime in general, it's like food trucks to me, right? Everybody's on this food truck kick right now. Yeah, food truck, food truck festival. This is that. Well, if there's a whole lot of terrible restaurants, what do you think there are in food trucks? Yeah. There's a lot of terrible food <laughs> trucks. So yeah. I think it's the same thing with anime and it's the same thing with Mecca is that, yeah, there's only a few standouts. As a whole, it's not all great. Yeah. And when you go into Mecca, if you're not into the gritty and the wars horrible stuff, it's not many out there for you. Yeah, true. And to be fair, not too many of those series make it over in English in the first place. Right. I mean, ongoing, there's Thunderbolt, of course, which is like a new volume every year, year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> too uh, far apart. You know, Gundam Origin, the hard covers, but those are on an easy sell, which is like $30 a pop. Um, a few, you know, Gundam Wing manga, and that's really about it. And of course, Ava. But even then, again, your your choices are very limited in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's not like we have like Gundam Ace in the US where, you know, you have a monthly magazine with your new Gundam comics, which is unfortunate. Right. So, re- so restate, when did the Gundam Kitchen open? 2014. 14. So you've been around for a while. Yep. What have been some of your big milestones and achievements in the years since? So, I mean, just surviving your first year in business is always a hard one. Um, but the milestones, I mean, the pandemic was like really when I knew I had it. So mm-hmm. we had moved into this store for a year in our new location. We moved in in 20, late 2018. Okay. And, you know, the, we're starting to hear about the pandemic in 2019. So we're a little over a year by the time the shutdown happened. So we had the shutdown for two whole months, and we'd already been doing a little bit of live streaming in 2018 anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, sw- I did some live streaming during the shutdown. We did weekly uh, live stream sales, and that got us about half of the revenue through the okay. two months that were completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And then when we came back, phew, man, so interest crazy was high. year. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, so that year was fire. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 2020 was definitely fire. 2021 was good. So it was just... The, I, I don't know, people being home, they really were researching stuff. I guess they're on the internet all the time, find mm-hmm. out what to do, and they found Gundam. Yeah, and you're, you're, this is one of like the few Gundam places around. I was yeah. actually shocked when I drove by in like 2014, 2015 and saw like, wow, a Gundam store exists, mm-hmm. which is super cool. But I imagine more are popping up, maybe not around here, but like in the nation. Yeah, so like I have a distributor up in Connecticut, and that distributor had an event where they uh, had all the, they're just, they had like a, big con for themselves or whatever mm-hmm. and everybody came down so just like in, in connecticut i think in connecticut there's one and then like five miles over and whatever the next state is it might be massachusetts there yeah they uh have another one so there's like two really close to each other mm-hmm. right there so yeah there's, there's, it's growing up as california's got tons yeah texas i think has a few it's popping up everywhere now yeah I mean, being in the tri-state region like we are i mean imagine there might be some similar hobby stores near philly or in philly no, I don't think anything in Philly right now. I'm really? <laughs> I'm pulling the Philly crowd right now. Nice. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have uh, Gundam Plant up in North Jersey who hasn't opened up their store for customers again yet, but they were the huge one for decades. So. I have heard that name. Yeah. But they, uh, they're an online store that used to let you in the warehouse, but then they moved, right before the pandemic, they moved to a spot to have a full-on store, and then the pandemic happened and they got all jacked up with like stuff in that area where they couldn't open it up. Okay. So. Interesting. So what's the day-to-day like? Like, how often do you place new orders, and what do you base demand and interest off of? Is it like sales, internet chatter, customer feedback? All the above. So um, day-to-day, I try to, I try to pull myself. So I've hired people since the pandemic. Okay. With with the surge of uh, the surge of sales, I was able to hire a couple uh, employees, and so 
a lot of our day-to-day activities is putting product into the system because <laughs> inventory is a huge, huge headache. Now, will you like place multiple orders per week or will you like do like a big monthly order or something like that? Nah, since, since the distributors in America, so the way this stuff works, so so you guys as uh, buyers understand and sometimes you'll see it like on Twitter or whatever, where they post up like months in advance what's coming out. Yeah. So you will, Bandai will put out a whole list of product probably about three to six months in advance of what they plan to manufacture for three months in advance. And that I usually place orders on, um, but it's, especially during the pandemic, that was really hit or miss. It didn't even matter. Like you were shooting in the dark anyway, because most of that stuff never made it or mm-hmm. it's coming like six months late. Um, so I'll look at those. I will place pre-orders on those. I will... My one main distributor, I we really focus on like ten days out. So I'm okay. always looking. She's always sending me ten day reports, and then we're we're looking at ten days, and we're trying to decide on. So I pretty much try to bring from them once a week. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring in. Those are like pretty big shipments. So now, do you have your choice like um, of any stock? Like I know nah, people talk so about what what is Bondi P? Is it Bondi Premium? Uh, premium Bandai. People hate. They both love and hate Premium All Bandai. Right, so. So pre, pre like three years ago, it was ridiculous because it wasn't in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So now these are like really nice kits, right? They're or not over exaggerated <laughs> most of the time. So P Bandai is basically they take a kit and they make it in an alternate colorway that might have appeared in like one time in a show or one time in a manga or okay. one time in a magazine, and it's just like some alternate color and maybe mm-hmm. it has an extra weapon that it didn't originally come with. Sometimes it's the same color and just has an extra weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got in the tall geese with uh, wing zero's wings on it. Oh, the flugel? Yeah. So, I mean, you could easily do that yourself. You take a tall geese, you put the wings on it. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. So I actually made a video probably a couple of years ago, FP Bandai, mm-hmm. and showed how to just take oh, cool. what you have and just paint it. Mm-hmm. So... P Bandai is great for people who aren't going to modify and paint their kits Mm -hmm. because you can just straight build the kit that you saw one time. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, a lot of times it's easy to find those parts and put it together yourself. Yeah, and it personalizes it it And personalize it. And you can have something a little different or a little cooler and you did it yourself. So for that reason, I think P Bandai is pretty corny. And then, of course, the scalpers (laughs) make it horrible because it's always limited stuff. Mm -hmm. It sells out. And then you're going to pay a ridiculous amount on the secondary market. Mm -hmm. Three, four years ago, it was always in Japan or maybe China, not China, I think Hong Kong maybe had P Bandai site too. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to figure out people to get it for you over there and then ship it to America. So it was a super headache and you're definitely overpaying there. And then they did P Bandai, I think popped up maybe in 2019. Yeah, I think it popped up in the U.S. probably late 2019. Okay. And so we've had access to it, and they started reprinting a lot of stuff, which is the kind of funny things that people got, you know, you think it's so collectible, but they just repop it if it's popular. So yeah. it's kind of stupid. You lose half of that effect of it being collectible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you can get it. You can buy it yourself. And if you miss it, you know, you can get it on the secondary market. We bring a little bit of it in just because we know people will miss it, and we try not to jack the price up too much, but mm-hmm. we got to make our profits too. Yeah. What kits like could you predict selling out immediately? Like when you place the order, you're like, uh, man, like what's gonna go first? Is it like all- anything new? Anything new? Anything new, especially you know if it's UC. Uh, Is Wings still very popular? Oh, Wings very popular. Like like probably in the last two years, the MG Wing Gundam Zero has been insane. I've moved so many units of that; it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, wing anything wing, but they haven't made that many new ones. So the zero was the the MG was the newest because they've already made all the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely anything new. Real grades are real hot when they're first new, especially the newest real grades. I've been doing they're fire. Mm-hmm. So anything new blows out. I can count on new stuff just flying off the shelves. Now, do your customers know like, oh, it's Tuesday? There's new stock like a comic no, book show. No, nope. so it's based that's, on like that's what's kind of cool. Yeah, is that you? You got to follow me because <laughs> you have to be on point. Because mm-hmm. I, I try to get as much as I can, but with between allocations mm-hmm. and just people buying it all. If I get 12 kits in, it might be gone in two days. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Will you have people here like in the morning to pick up the kits? Uh, usually I post it as soon as we finish putting it in. So mm-hmm. it, they'll be flying in. Like That's like usually like 3 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and they'll be flying in. Oh, cool, cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I thought about when I could still get stuff from Japan, I was, but it was during COVID, so it messed my whole scheme up. Mm-hmm. But I was, because usually when you get stuff directly from Japan, you'll get it like three weeks ahead. Mm-hmm. So I thought about trying to have like special releases and do like a whole sneaker drop thing because that's, yeah. that's the world I came from before. Mm-hmm. I was in sneaker retail. Yeah, my students, are, they're all about the sneaker hustle. Right. So I was going to do like special drops and have like, you know, people lined out here. But I just, with COVID, nothing was coming through anyway. So it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I never got to try it. And then Bandai pretty much cut off that whole yeah. thing. So. Gotcha. Can't get anything early, early. And mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like making people wait outside for stuff that's coming in at normal time. No, no that's very kind of you. <laughs> All right, so I've never built a model before, but I'm thinking of dipping my toe into the whole building like environment over the summer. Do you have any tips for a beginner? And like, what kind of kits should I gravitate to? All right, so as a beginner, I would start with either the entry grade, which is a new Bandai has grades, which are different levels of kits. Are these like clearly labeled on the boxes? Yep. Yep, they will, they will. That one says entry grade across the top. Almost almost like HG, MG, PG, okay. RG, which is all different levels. I would do either an entry grade or a high grade. So the entry grade is super easy, and no, I'm not gonna say super easy, but it, it's a nice flowing build, and it's it's what they're calling the entry level. Um, but they're pretty good, and a lot of time they're doing kits that were made in high grade a while ago. So the entry grades kind of rival them, which is kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, Are and, these like? Um like grunt max or is no they're usually doing the hero suits in the entry grade so cool. far um and hg you'll be able to get any mm-hmm. so hg is the biggest variety so i really recommend people pick out what you think is cool and any hg you should be able to do i mean okay. this is just advanced legos mm-hmm. it's gonna be like ikea or lego kind of like instructions you'll need to read any japanese it's all right there in front of you i've messed up many ikea pieces <laughs> of furniture though do, do not doubt but my that's skills just, that's of assembly. cheap uh, <laughs> engineering on their part <laughs> But um, yeah, you, you need minimum tools. You don't need glue, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, HGs, people, the complaint about HGs is that they're sticker, sticker heavy. Okay. So some people want to paint them. But as a beginner, I would just stick with the stickers. Is it hard to put the stickers on? Uh, No. They're regular old stickers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just taking your time. Tweezers probably best. Yeah. That's something they when you get to master grades, you'll get a lot of water slides. So that's a learning curve or something where you actually have to put in water. It releases this this clear transfer oh, okay and then you put it onto the kit that's a mm-hmm. little more involved but an hg nah that's pretty easy to do it right i would say get like either a kit or a buy all the tools separate but you need probably a sanding stick or a knife mm-hmm. you need uh decent nippers and that's pretty much all you need mm-hmm. those few tools i see online people have those mats too with like the cut a mat like, yeah yeah it's nice to have mm-hmm. if you don't you know if you have a table you got to keep nice you, it's your kitchen table yeah mom's not gonna like that <laughs> <laughs> now like um 
All right, so I start off with like the more basic kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, you know, like with Legos, you have, I don't know, a $500 Millennium Falcon that you could build. Right. Is there a Millennium Falcon equivalent for Gunpla? Yes, I mean, I guess that would be the PGs. And I would say it's the same thing as Legos, right? The only difference in that Lego Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and your $25 kit is like a thousand pieces, right? It's okay. the time that you're going to put into yeah. it. Yeah. Right? So that's the only major difference. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with a uh, from going from a high grade to a PG is you're just looking at like a two hundred and fifty dollar kit that has more intricate parts, mm-hmm. even though they're bigger, so it's really easy to work with. There might have like some kind of levers and stuff like that. There might be some LEDs, but now they're usually like very like they're all plug and play now. Mm-hmm. So you're really looking at the same difficulty, just looking at a very expensive kit. So could you walk in and do a PG? Sure, you'll probably make it look like ass because no, you're not. I gonna, would totally make it look right, like ass. It, it's not going to be sanded right and all that stuff. So that's why. I usually tell people, start at the beginning, get your sanding skills, make yeah. sure you're getting those parts cut off and they're nice and clean. Because I think a lot of Americans kind of miss that concept because like modeling was probably something that our grandparents all did. Yeah. Right? All our grandparents probably built a ship or built a tank or something like that when they were a kid mm-hmm. or, or maybe a wooden plane or whatever, right? Yeah. Our parents, maybe, maybe not. Our generation, most of us didn't grow up on models at all, right? Yeah, I didn't. So... Um, yeah, not until you found it as a teenager or an adult, you know, at, at a comic book store. Yeah. You found a gun, no, maybe. But most of us didn't grow up on that. So it's kind of a lost art in America. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, I think it's gone the whole time. And I don't want to be stereotypical, but like they, you know, that, that attention to detail and that, like, it's almost a meditation to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people come here like, oh, I don't have time for that. And uh, this seems too hard. Like, I have customers coming with their friend, like, I can never do that. Like, you can't build a Lego? Like, you can do this. It's, are you going to make it look good is the yeah. question. Or are you going to put that time in to make it look good? And do you want to take it to another level, you know? Yeah. So it's all that, you know, it's, it's that time you want to put into it. And it should be relaxing. And then if you want to make it artistic, which is the great part of it, if you just build it straight, it's a relaxing process. If you want to take it to that next level, you got all the artistic ability to go wherever you want with it. You can make it super artistic. You can make it super realistic. you got plenty of places to go with it. Yeah. That's one of the things that's attractive about the whole enterprise for me in the first place is just, you know, like put on some chill music, some like very chill like video game tunes um, or a lot of podcasts and just like vibe for a few hours. Yeah. And I think that's why I did really well during the pandemic. Because yeah. after you watch all that Netflix, you need something else to chill out into. <laughs> What's the typical time for like a low grade build, like a basic build? So I would say like the entry grade will probably take you 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. A high grade, I mean, you could be an animal and just snap them all out with your hands and throw it together really quick, maybe in like 45 minutes to an hour. But if you're doing it right, you're looking at like easy two hours. Yeah. Like I see people online like pair their build with like a cocktail or something and uh-huh. just like take their time with it. Yeah. And you should take it. I, I've seen people think it's like a speed race, and I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> video game where you do a speed runs. This is like something you should take your time and do. I wonder, uh, are there like, my uh, my co-host is a big speed runner, video game speed runner. Mm-hmm. Are there like gun plus speed runs? So what we did for fun, at, we have monthly events, mm-hmm. and uh, one was a gun plus Pollock. So one year we did for fun, we did uh, at SD, which is like the super deformed, they're the smallest yeah. ones. Some people will say they are probably the easiest ones to do, but they're about the same as the entry grade. Mm-hmm. And we took the directions out. And whoever could build the fastest out directions. Oh, interesting. That's what we did. That's cool. And we, somebody built in seven minutes, so wow. it's pretty impressive. <laughs> mm. Actually, that, that's a perfect lead up to my next question. What sort of events do you run at the kitchen? So on the monthly, we do what's called the Gumpla Potluck. And basically, the 
since we're the Gundam Kitchen, we just went with the food theme. Mm-hmm. And what you, we do is you bring in your uh, kits you've been building for the last month and show them off. It's basically mm-hmm. show and tell. What's great about it is, you know, some people have some some fire up there, and you get to ask them, you know, how did you do that paint job? What did you use for this? What did you do? So it's like great learning experience and sharing of skills. Um, and then every once in a while, we'll put like a theme to it mm-hmm. and do a little contest with it. So last month, we did um, 30 Minute Sisters, which is a uh, Bandai product, and we just did kit bashes with that. Mm-hmm. So you, they're, the, the newest thing in Mecca is Girl Mecca. So yeah, tons of kits right now from Kotobuki and all these third party Chinese companies. And mm-hmm. then Bandai has a 30 Minute Sister. So uh, lots of opportunity to kit bash with those. Mm-hmm. Now, kit bash is when you take two separate kits and like com- creatively combine them. Correct, uh, and often more than two, <laughs> you get a ton sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, that's a kit bash, and uh, so that's our our monthly Gundam event. We'll probably get back into building sessions. We should do do those once a week. Uh, we just hang out and build. Uh, gaming wise, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday we have gaming nights. So cool. Wednesday is a lot of tabletop stuff. Yep, Wednesdays pretty much any tabletop, which we have a gambit of stuff from Infinity to Conflict to Warhammer to Age of Sigmar to Marvel, Crisis Protocol, Star Wars, Legion, and more. <laughs> it's a lot. What's like the what's been popping off recently? Like what's uh, the most popular? I mean Warhammer's the granddaddy. I feel like Warhammer's yeah, always popular. That, that's yeah. That's the granddaddy of tabletop, but uh they, they dominate that market. But I mean I have a pretty strong uh, Flames of War group, which is a World War II game. Uh, and we got a really strong Marvel Crisis Protocol group, which cool. is only about a two and a half, three year old game. And, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, it's Marvel, so you got to love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to play with your favorite superheroes. Since you've been around for a while, you must have fostered like a real close knit community, too, right? Exactly. And you know, I think you asked a question before like, where do I listen? To, how do I get my information? Mm-hmm. So, uh, as a business owner, one of the things I would always say is listen to your customers, you know? And, I, I just, you know, I don't always agree with them right away. <laughs> I've heard some <laughs> stupid stuff, but if you hear the same stupid thing a couple of times, yeah. then it's a perception. Mm-hmm. And you can work around that perception, you yeah. know, figure out what to do with that perception. So, yeah, listen to the listen to people and you can definitely just by listening and asking questions figure out how to navigate. Like I've always as a business owner always realized that you need to have diversification. So, even though that's why we were Millennium Hobbies and the Gundam Kitchen because mm-hmm. I didn't think just being one thing, I would have been done like in January, we'd have nothing on the shelves if I just Gundams. Yeah. The finally the all the backups at the ports have finally caught up in January mm-hmm. and there was probably 3 weeks where we got no shipment and the shipments before and be- before and after that were really small. Okay. So, we would have had nothing on the shelves and what we've been selling. Yeah. But Warhammer kept me going. Mm-hmm. Marvel kept me going through that time. So I've always been a big fan of diversification. And it hasn't always worked perfectly because mm-hmm. I, I did Airsoft for a little while. <laughs> that was a good move. Airsoft's really big in Japan because I visited Japan right. like three and so years ago. That's why yeah. I thought it'd be a good combination with, uh, with the models and stuff like that. You know, you had the Japanese stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I bought stuff. Like I only get the best Japanese brands. I had like one local American brand, but I was trying to get mostly Japanese brands and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, but that was, that was a hard one. I didn't know enough about yeah. to work on the guns. And that's what a lot of people want you to be able to work on the guns and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, and I just didn't feel comfortable with like, cause those guns look so real. <laughs> and then yeah. I have like kids walking in the store, yeah. neighborhood kids walking in the store, wanting to 
buy a gun. You know, I'm like, nah, you yeah. get shot out here, man. You can't be playing with a gun in your neighborhood like that. Yeah. So I just didn't feel comfortable with that one. So I was glad to when I listened to my customers. A couple of people were saying, oh, you should try Warhammer out. And I tried Warhammer out. And, and somebody else was like, actually, it was uh, Flames of War. Somebody got me into first. We started okay. Flames. And we bought probably Warhammer like the second week that we had Flames in. Mm-hmm. And then that just kicked off. And once that was at the old store. And once I started, we had two tables and we put up a third mm-hmm. and squished all the stuff forward in that small store and and we started packing those tables i was like i need a bigger store yeah so that's when we moved over here yeah back in the night like in late 90s early 2000s so i've lived in south jersey most of my life and i remember there used to be like a games workshop store yeah yep that I, that hasn't existed probably for yeah, 10 over years Mall. yeah exactly yeah and same with there used to be a wizards of the coast um, dedicated store in one of the oh, local really? malls too. Hmm. Well, this one. was like 15 years ago. Okay, but anyway, it's, it falls to stores like yours um, to really pick up the slack in that regard. Right. Because now there's a vacuum of like official stores. Yeah. Plus, the mom and pops are always better anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if Bandai opens up a <laughs> New York, uh, I forgot they call their big flagship in uh, Japan. Uh, but if they open one of those in New York or LA, I wouldn't really worry about yeah. it because it's still a hike for most people. Yeah. <laughs> What are some future plans you have for the store? Uh, so I was really looking to get another bigger spot, but I... A new location? Sh- yeah, but I'm not sure if all this sudden surge is just pandemic-related, so I don't want to stretch myself too thin. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thought to have. So what I'm, the main plan is to knock some walls down in here, mm-hmm. probably relocate that track so we can get more fixtures in the front. And we'll have more card tables in the back. And I'm looking next door to me. We have a office space. Okay. There's um offices, office buildings. So I'm looking to lease an office space in there so I can set up a little studio for myself and nice. do some more YouTube and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And a little more storage over there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think that really brings us to the end of our interview. Thank you, I read so much for this. No problem. It's fascinating. Do you have any closing promotions or any final Uh, thoughts? Yeah, just catch us on the social. So we're on Facebook and Instagram as The Gundam Kitchen. TikTok as well, if you're a TikTok fan, if you're a younger person. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I've been having a little success on there. So try to keep that going. And we will definitely, YouTube is a great place. I have YouTube videos for, you know, learn to build stuff, tips and tricks stuff. We always post our shipments. So that's the best way to keep up with us is if you're in the area or if you're thinking about making a trip, if it's at least three days, you probably have a good chance to find most of that stuff in here. But after three Mm -hmm. days, it's going to be all new stuff. So um, yeah, YouTube, we always post up our latest stuff and on Instagram, it usually goes up and Facebook. So those would be the main ones to follow us on. And probably going to start doing some online sales i might go back to the live shopping feel because i feel like there's no point in trying to there's so many big internet stores out there why mm-hmm. try to compete with them try to go a different lane yeah so the live shops worked for me decently back in the day back in eight, the 18 and when i did it during the the pandemic so i think i might try live shops now i see there's actually some apps for it out there we were just doing it off of youtube and, and like recording everything. <laughs> it was like really annoying. But so I think they've got a little better structure now, some apps out there. So look for us to be on some apps soon. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And listeners, if you are in the, if you're ever driving through South Jersey or live in the South Jersey region, definitely make sure you stop on by. Thank you. 